0: Sifter, the podcast, news, news interviews, interviews, reviews,
1: reviews cinema, cinema TV, TV, streaming, action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Easy, Easy
2: like Sunday, Sunday morning. morning. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> That's two of the guests on today's show singing while painting a mural. But first, I wanted to celebrate 24 years of TV dot com. In 1998, I launched Tales from the Grips with News and Dirt of Richmond's production community. Back then, when people wanted to send me news, it was by fax. Email wasn't even a thing yet. In 2013, I introduced Sifter to TVJerry.com, but kept Tales on the site until 2017. Now it's all Sifter. On February 9th in the New York Times, there was an article called Celebrating Black History Month, These five cities are going all out. And one of those cities was Richmond. One of the quotes was, all month, the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, blah, 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 blah. Or you can choose to explore powerful street art like the Mending Walls Public Art Project by Hamilton Glass. And that is the subject of today's podcast.
2: Maybe getting together a project that put artists together from different backgrounds to collaborate on public art projects and getting them to be like a, like a microcosm of what society needs to do right now.
1: So the documentary about Mending Walls premiered on September 7th of last year at the Richmond International Film Festival, and then it started airing on VPM on the 16th of that month. It is still available there, but we're going to talk about it now because it's an interesting project. First of all, I've got three people with me. First is Pam Hervey. Welcome, Pam.
0: Hi, Jerry. Thanks for having me.
1: Footnote. Pam Hervey is co-owner with her husband, Todd, of Fuel Creative, a local production company they launched in 2003. Do you remember when we first met? Uh, no. Made a real impression on you.
0: It's 20 some years ago, though. Yeah. Sure. Well, it was,
1: you came to work for Circuit City. Right. Right. And I was working for Circuit City. So that's where we met.
0: That's Right.
1: Footnote: Matt Lively is a popular local artist, known for his whimsical paintings and murals, especially his ubiquitous B-cycles. And Matt, do you remember when we met?
3: I do remember when we met. We met at a gallery opening, and you accused me of painting over a... <laughs> um, Hockney painting. Uh, David Hockney, right, right.
1: Because it was a kind of a comedy thing you did. What I remember meeting you was at the Pollock Awards when you received a Pollock Award. And I went and introduced myself and he said, oh yeah, I used to watch you when I was a child on TV. I'm like, oh great, thank you, Matt.
3: Yeah, I watched you from uh, the crib, through the bars of the crib, (laughs) I would watch you
2: on TV.
1: (laughs) Yes. And then Hamilton or Ham, as most people call you, do you remember when we met?
2: No, I just remember that, I, I believe Matt introduced me to you.
1: Yeah, I think y'all are actually outdoors sweating on some mural somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He said, because y'all have done a couple together. Footnote. Hamilton Glass is also a prominent local artist and designer who started as an architect, but now paints but also creates public art, usually with a colorful geometric style. So we're going to stick with Ham here and first ask you, how did this whole concept of the Mending Walls project come about?
2: The project honestly started... From a conversation that I had with Matt Lively around the time of uh, George Floyd's murder, Matt and I got into talking about what was on TV and we really kind of exercised this moment of empathy and connection. And I got off the phone with Matt and I probably immediately thought like, hey, I should go ask Matt if he wants to do a mural about about what, because we collaborate a lot about what we were talking about. But I immediately started thinking bigger. I was like, what Matt and I just did was kind of what I feel the country needs to do. We need to be able to kind of talk and empathize with one another. And so with Richmond being a big public art city, I was thinking, hey, what if I got together artists from different backgrounds and cultures to have these conversations like Matt and I just had? I reached out to the Community Foundation told them about my idea. They loved it. Um, We ended up doing 16 murals. But I mean, in the beginning, I was like, oh, if we can get three, that'd be great. But the support was just tremendous.
1: So Matt, what is your side of the story about how you got involved with Ham on this?
3: Well, that was pretty accurate. And it was about an hour and a half conversation. Wow. But it was very valuable to me to talk to Hamilton about that, because in all our conversations prior, you know, it was mostly about collaborations are mostly about the business just the normal day-to-day business of art or right. sports or whatever just just the typical dude conversations that were kind of boring but this one not they, they were a boring ham but you, you know just normal <laughs> conversations but this one they was, weren't a ham they
1: just weren't boring to you matt <laughs> <laughs> i think i should probably point out since this is an audio only podcast ham is black Matt is white. So those conversations dealt around that. Can you think of any specific one subject or one sentence or one little epiphany that each of you had that kind of said, whoa, wait a minute, he's white and he doesn't understand this or wait a minute, he's black and he doesn't understand my point of view. Or I'm assuming that was kind of what it was, is everybody goes assuming their point of view is knowledgeable. And when you actually start to talk to somebody, you realize, wait a minute, I'm really not that woke. Am I putting words into your mouth or is that kind of how it happened?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think there's a really clear example of that. Matt and I were, I think we were in the cars. Uh, there was a cop behind me. Matt was like, oh, I thought he was going to pull you over. I was nervous about it. He was nervous about it too, but we were nervous for two different reasons. And him recognizing that, that was the, one of those vulnerable moments to me. I was like, yeah, he gets what I'm saying now. He understands right. exactly right. what I'm saying now.
1: So Matt, do you remember that conversation, and how did you feel? Because obviously we've heard many times these stories about the the talk that black fathers have to have to their black sons about many things, and of course when the police stop you is one of the big ones. But Matt, so coming from your point of view, how did why did that make you nervous?
3: The example of the police officer when when a cop is behind me, I'm scared that I'm going to get a ticket. When Hamilton and I would talk about it, he would say. I'm scared there's a cop behind me. And I would say, yeah, I'm scared because there's a cop behind me too. But we were scared for different reasons. I didn't want my insurance to go up after having gotten a ticket. That would be a tragedy. But (laughs) he was talking about the possibilities being way more horrific because that's what he had learned with his experience growing up.
1: Now, Pam, you've been sitting here quietly listening. Pam actually is the co-owner of a company called Fuel Creative, and you have this branch called 19 Red, which is what produced the documentary, right? Yes. What does 19 Red stand for?
0: Uh, 19 Red is where Todd puts all of his chips in a, on a roulette wheel. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> does it work for him?
0: Apparently, he has a system, Jerry, uh. and it works every time. <laughs> and the chips on 19 Red, that's how it came about. But 19 uh, Red is really just that division where we create original content. so right, right. As um, opposed to
1: corporate paid-for work.
0: Correct. Right, right. Correct, yeah.
1: So how did you get involved in this project?
0: So right around that time, we were finishing up our 13 episodes of The Art Scene, which, Jerry, you were really instrumental in helping us create.
1: Footnote. The art scene was a show they produced for VPM that covered unique personalities and organizations in the arts around the state.
0: And so we were kind of already in that art space in Richmond and Central Virginia. And then the pandemic was happening at the same time. And then it was just kind of this feeling of, okay, now what? And, And I was in a situation where I was uncertain of what I should be doing. I wanted to participate I wanted to be an ally I wanted to do something but I didn't know what my place was and I called up a friend who is an African-American leader in Richmond and we had a conversation And, and a lot of that was it was uncomfortable for me but I asked a lot of questions and I listened to what she said and she helped put things in perspective for me and she also said listen you have a certain set of skills resources and networks to amplify voices during this time. I took that kind of as a challenge and I think it might have been because Matt and Hamilton were also creating a community art project around the pandemic called All In Together.
1: Footnote: All In Together, also created by Ham and Matt, gave people coloring pages that represented their individual expression. Once the sheets were completed, they were assembled to create a mural that's at Bellwood Elementary School.
0: I went and did a story, a digital story about All In Together for DPM. And it was somewhere around that time, I don't know who said it, but somebody said, Hamilton's cooking up something else. I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, tell me what this is about. And he told me as best as he possibly could, what the hopes and dreams were for it because it right. was moving so fast. Right. And I said, that's it. That's the story that I want to tell. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know, just involve me in all of your emails and include me in everything. And I'll figure it out on my end. And it kind of went from there. As we went along, it kind of gave us as a company something to do because we were in the pandemic. Things just kind of shut down. Right. And it allowed us to participate in what was happening in our city in a positive way.
1: And just so you know, this documentary follows as the different... Teams, it's all it's putting together one person of color with one person who's white. Is that correct?
2: Oh, I was just gonna say they don't necessarily have to be white and black. It's really about their experiences. It's really about them coming from two different places.
0: With different backgrounds, basic different backgrounds, different
1: experiences. You mentioned earlier you did 16 murals, and from what I remember it was in 16 weeks. Are you out of yeah. your mind, Hamilton?
2: I, I was.
1: <laughs> what were the challenges behind that?
2: We didn't know what we were in for. And the week I talked to Pam, I might've told her like three or four. I had gotten a little bit of money from some corporate partners that said, hey, I love this idea. Let's go. My goal was just to be able to make the biggest impact possible. I wanted it to be a full-on conversation about many different topics. And so the only way to do that was to have many different walls. Did I think that we could pull it off I wasn't thinking. I was just like, hey, this is how it happens. You know what I mean? This literally grew as it went. So I always feel weird when people lift me up in this because I know how much work that everyone else did to make this happen.
1: So Matt, do you want to give me a quick description of what the project that you and Ham did together
3: We got together with phone conversations to talk about the imagery, and we went straight to the core of our experiences growing up. And the toys and TV shows that we were watching at the time, for example, the Jetsons cartoon and Fat Albert cartoon, we both watched both of those programs, but from different points of view, Uh, Hamilton pointed out that the Jetsons was set in the future, but there were no black people represented in the future. Hmm. And when I was watching it, I didn't even think of that, right. right. But Ham pointed that out.
1: So Pam, was there a formal situation where each of the two artists had to sit down together and have a formal kind of talk, or was it just y'all talk and then get together and do your mural?
0: The artists that were willing to allow cameras in to their meetings where they were having these conversations are the ones that we followed. And we were lucky that each one of them had a different story to tell, but not all of them were comfortable with that.
1: What was the biggest challenge in putting this documentary together? (laughs) Besides the fact that it was during COVID.
0: So I I make this joke every time because artists are, they say they're going to be there at like nine (laughs) o'clock and then they don't like show up until like one. But it was also because we didn't really know, like, as we were going through it, we're telling the story in real time. So the story was changing every day. And so what we had to do production-wise was really just be there for everything, shoot everything. So we always say, this documentary is not about public art. It's about the conversations that resulted in the public art that continued to spur more conversation.
1: I just want to point out, by the way, that this podcast was recorded Saturday morning at ten, and both Ham and Matt were on time. So they <laughs> they defeated the stereotype. <laughs> I, I think it's just I think it's just
0: when they're painting. Yeah, oh, I
1: yeah, think that's yeah, right, what it is. Right, right, right. Matt, what did you learn from this project?
3: Well, I learned how to be a better listener, and that goes for everyone that I talk to, even my family, my kids, my wife. When this project started, you know, having it be my job to really listen to somebody, I've been able to develop that as a habit to now listen to everyone that I talk to. And when the documentary came out, I saw that because of the skill of Pam and Todd and everybody involved in that, that they would pass that information along to other people and be able to to show the value of listening to other people. And I was excited about that being the success of the Mending Walls documentary. I've been involved in documentaries before where the people that were making the documentary were Frankly, really annoying. Doing no, wait, anything. wait, let
1: me interrupt you. You're not talking about the Dirt Woman documentary because you did the illustrations for that. Are you talking about me, no. Matt?
3: <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. All right. Uh, <laughs> Just want to make sure. You, you were good too. The, the collaborative effort with that one was really satisfying. And I actually learned a lot from that one too how quickly it can happen. And Pam and Todd, they became invisible with this project. I really, truly forgot that they were there. Hamilton and I would. You know, we would do our normal dude talk, forgetting that we were being recorded the whole time. And we sang quite beautifully, by the way.
0: <laughs> yes, uh,
3: at, agreed. At, at, it was cut from the movie because it was so accurate that they couldn't afford <laughs> the uh, licensing for it.
0: True. It was, uh, it, what was it, Sunday Morning by Lionel Richie?
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah, I didn't want Lana Rucci coming after me because yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, we you?
0: Had, you guys were singing that.
2: Easy like Sunday morning. morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, That's why, why I'm here.
1: so uh, was there any pushback on this project from anybody? Obviously, it sounds it's it's a wonderful project and it's a wonderful idea, but were there some people who are like, no, this is not gonna work.
2: When many wants first was announced, I remember getting a little bit of pushback from people saying, you know, we need to talk, which is our our tagline, like the time for talking is done. We don't need to talk. We need action. That made me pause a little bit because I I also understand that point of view. I get it. I really do. I also know that meaningful change isn't going to come from just like force of change. I was looking at some people who, you know, weren't black, who are white, who were scared of making mistakes or saying something wrong Right. something like that. I wanted to be able to create the opportunity for everyone to feel okay to, and this is air quotes because it's audio, but make a mistake. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of the core of the project is like empathizing and understanding. Just because Matt isn't from the inner city, it's kind of perfectly fine that he doesn't understand you know, the fear of a cop being behind him and not, you know what I mean? That's what sure, yeah. he grew up with. And there, there's nothing wrong. Being exposed to someone who has and being able to listen to that person and empathize with that person. Now he's armed with the knowledge to know that, Hey, that is the thing I can move on in life accordingly, knowing that, and I can be an ally to that. And once I realized that what I was truly trying to do with this Mending Walls project was make a platform for people to talk about that, right? I was like Pam and Todd in terms of making the documentary. I was not telling artists what to say or do. That was completely up to them. And that was one of the big parts of the initial mission, which is like, they have to have an authentic conversation, which I had to protect throughout this whole project. When I when asked for you know, donations of buildings and things like that, people, of course, love that. And they were like, hey, yeah, I want a free mural. Could you put this quote on there? And I'm like, no.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and look at the look at the mission. It says an authentic conversation. These guys are coming up with the work, which means they had to have an incredible amount of trust. We need to talk, we need to listen, um, and we need to empathize and connect.
0: I see public art as a way to have a greater conversation. And that's what this project is about.
2: That
1: was an excerpt from the documentary.
2: You know, when I when I did receive some people kind of coming at me with that, I was like, all right, well, let's sit down and have a talk about it. And I think some people got frustrated at that. But did that make I a difference? My own, yeah. Did it make a difference? If you sat I down mean, and had a
1: talk with some of those people,
2: well, m- most of them didn't want to sit down and have oh, a okay. talk. They, they were they were sticking to their tagline. But but, but <laughs> we don't want to know, talk. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And I think. To make change, you need different avenues of activism, right? right? Um, I'm not saying that they're wrong, and hopefully they're not saying that I'm wrong, or maybe they are, but I understand that no amount of change has ever come from just one dimensional type of activism. And once I realized that and understood that, then I could move forward and fully stand behind or in front of many walls.
1: Now, I'm sure you all know this because you listen to all my podcasts. The last question I always ask everybody is, what are you watching now? TV, movies, streaming? Who wants to go first?
3: I'll go first. Because since I do listen to your podcast, I knew this question was coming. So I had to, I You're had to prepared. know it. I'm watching The Righteous Gemstones. It's hilarious. It's a good show. It's funny and uh It has everything.
0: I go back and forth between watching documentaries and then watching kind of mindless TV. Sure. So I watched the Tinder Swindler the other day. The Tinder Swindle. Oh, the Tinder Swindler.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: On Netflix, which was really good. But I'm also starting Downton Abbey from the beginning. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's that's I've never seen it. Okay. No, no, no. I I saw it. Oh, you just started over
1: again. It. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I'm rewatching th- it.
1: There's so much new stuff out there. I don't know how you can watch something old because well,
0: I have watched. I watched the girl in the window cross the street with right, a woman right, and right. whatever. Yeah, that was weird.
1: That was but, weird. Uh, weird. It was weird. <laughs>
0: I love those multi-series documentaries. I think I'm just a documentary junkie, especially if it involves
1: crime. You know, it's interesting you say that because I've talked to several people lately, and I think Matt was one of them. We're starting to have series fatigue. Like, you know, you look at the image on Netflix or wherever it is, Amazon, and you say, oh, this looks pretty good. Oh, it's a series. Oh, that's 10 hours. Oh, what happened to all the movies? Anyway, Ham, what about you? What are you checking out?
2: Well, because me and Matt are such good friends, I had no idea that he watched The Gemstones. I don't even know his real name, but I love Kenny Powers. I always call him Kenny Powers because I remember him from the baseball series. I can't look at him without thinking of Kenny Powers.
1: Footnote. Kenny Powers was Danny McBride's character in Eastbound and Down, the previous series that McBride created for HBO. He also wrote and created The Righteous Gemstones and plays the lead character. The second even more outrageous season just ended on Sunday.
2: I don't watch much TV, and so when I do, it's always stuff like Jim's. I like to, like, zone out into this nonsense that and ozark are the two things that i've watched recently
1: we got we got seven more episodes that made us wait for seven more episodes because they stopped and we got I know
2: some- i so upset when i saw that because everybody was, was out of it like where's the rest of it yeah
1: yeah we yeah gotta wait. my kids make a joke they made a venn
0: diagram for the kind of shows that i watch and it was like on one side was the circle that said british and on the other side said murder and then there was another one that said baking in there. So, <laughs> and they in between is the kind of shows that I watch. So, uh-huh. that actually explains. I watch a lot of like Acorn TV and BBC America, which is probably why I'm watching Down Abbey again. The G- Gilded Age, I'm also watching that on HBO because that's Julian Fellowes as well.
3: You and my wife could get together with blankets <laughs> on the couch and just have a big time all day.
0: <laughs>
1: you got either very smart or very nerdy kids who know how to do a Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this has been wonderful. This has been very informative. Of course, I was there for opening night at the Bird when it premiered, and it was very interesting and pretty riveting because you do learn a lot about a lot of different people. For the first time
2: in forever, some people are seeing things in a different light, and that gives me hope.
1: I'll have a link up on the podcast page where you can watch it anytime on VPM on their website, right? You don't have to sign in or anything.
0: So our documentary was picked up by American public television, which means it's going to be seen around the country and PBS stations around the country. And over 90% of the PBS stations in the country have
1: agreed to show it. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. So it's
0: huge. And as a thing between my husband also had, did a documentary a few years ago that also had the same release, but he only had 86% of oh. the, nah, 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 nah. the <laughs>
1: country. <laughs> well, his was on a, a Bluebird, wasn't it a Bluebird? Is that what it was called? Oh, the, Jerry! The no, never mind. Blackbird. <laughs> Blackbird. <laughs> oh well. Okay, never mind. Obviously, I yeah, never the, watched the it. The
0: Blackbird, the SR seventy one Blackbird. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to thank you all for making your Saturday morning a little bit about this podcast, and we'll look forward to talking to you again when you have your next documentary.
0: Thank you, Jerry. Always a great opportunity to talk about mending walls. So thank
1: you so much.
2: Yeah, thank, you. thank you for having us.
1: Sifter
0: review of the week.
1: Abbott Elementary on ABC and Hulu. Quinta Brunson created this show based on her experiences with her teacher mother, and she named the show after one of her middle school teachers. It's a mockumentary staged in an underfunded Philadelphia elementary school that follows a group of teachers and the hilariously clueless principal played by Janelle James. The characters all have endearing, amusing traits, while their interactions provide much of the comedy. The writing keeps the show on its comic toes, even though the constant glances at the camera don't really add much. Although it's not a breakthrough in TV sitcoms, there's plenty of heart and fun to make it refreshing and pleasingly watchable. I gave it four out of five stars. Coming soon. The big movie opening this weekend is The Batman. This new three-hour version stars Robert Pattinson, also has an early Catwoman, The Penguin, and The Riddler. Also, Hoodoo's Salon, a woman whose visit to a hair salon turns into a nightmare when she's blackmailed by its owner. This is directed by Palestinian director Hani Abdu Assad, whose previous films, Paradise Now and Omar, were both nominated for Oscars. Some of the streaming highlights, and there are tons. These are just on Thursday, the 3rd. John and Carol on Peacock Plus stars John Cameron Mitchell as Joe Exotic and Kate McKinnon as Carol Baskin from the Tiger King documentary. Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max. A wealthy man in 1717 decides to become a pirate. It features Taika Waititi, Nat Faxon, and Leslie Jones. Dicktown on FXX, John Hodgman plays a detective in this animated series. Star Trek Picard new season starts on Paramount Plus. The Tourist on HBO Max, Jamie Dornan, wakes up in the Australian outback with no memory. The Weekend Away on Netflix, Leighton Meester stars as a woman who's accused of killing her best friend on a visit to Croatia. The Dropout on Hulu, Amanda Seyfried stars as owner Elizabeth Holmes. Echoes on Sundance Now, a rave in Munich's catacombs goes wrong. Then on Friday the 4th, The Boys present Diabolical, On Amazon, this animated anthology of shorts is from the minds of such people as Aquafina, Seth Rogen, and Andy Samberg. Fresh, on Hulu, this thriller with Daisy Edgar-Jones and Sebastian Stan, and they have unusual appetites. Dear, dot dot dot, on Apple, presents biographies of icons by using letters from those who were affected by them. Lucy and Desi, on Amazon. Amy Poehler directed this documentary about the Ricardos, with interviews including Bette Midler and Carol Burnett. Pieces of her on Netflix, Tony Collette stars as a woman who takes her daughter to the mall and things get violent. Then on Sunday the 6th, my favorite award show is the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which airs on IFC and is hosted this year by Nick Offerman and his wife Megan Mullally. Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty, on HBO. This is from Adam McKay, who just did Don't Look Up, about the personal and professional lives of the L.A. Lakers in 1980s. Outlander returns to Stars. Also on Stars is Shining Veil, with Courtney Cox in a horror comedy as an author who moves into a creepy house. The Thing About Pam airs on NBC on the 8th of March. This is a true crime drama starring Renee Zellweger as a possible murderer. For more Sifter, including literally thousands of reviews, visit
0: tvjerry.com.
2: That's a wrap.